Hello, and welcome to the In the Booth podcast. I'm your host, Alan Etzler. I'm joined today by News Post reporter Emma Kerr. Emma, thanks for joining me. Thanks so much. And we have two very special guests in the studio today, and that's our candidates for State Senate 3, uh, race in District 3. Uh, we have Senator Ron Young, the incumbent in the race, and his Republican challenger, Craig Giangrande. Thank you both for joining us. Thank you. Well, thank you, Alan. I, I want to jump into the issues real quick. Uh, But first, I want to read the rules for our debate for our listeners. Uh, Each candidate will be given 90 seconds at the beginning to make an opening statement. The incumbent will go first. Uh, Then we'll alternate who goes first for each question from there. We'll ask a series of 10 questions which candidates have not seen ahead of time, and each candidate will be given two minutes to provide his answer. The candidate who goes first will be given a 45-second rebuttal if he chooses to take it. I'll have a 10-second card I hold up. When you're short on time, if a candidate goes over, I'll cut you off, all right? Uh, Please adhere to the time limits as best as possible. After the 10 questions, we'll move on to closing statements, and we'll give each candidate 90 seconds to provide those. All right, and so we're going to start with uh, Senator Young for your opening statement. All right. uh, Thank you for the opportunity to address the issues and concerns on the minds of our citizens. I'm running for re-election in order to continue to serve the community I love. I've devoted my life serving our community as your state senator, as a four-term mayor, Uh, during challenging and transitional period as Deputy and Acting Secretary of the Maryland Department of Planning and as Deputy Secretary of the Department of Natural Resources. Uh, As mayor, we started the Weinberg Center, the Arts Council and Arts Festival in the street, the Sunday night concerts, kept the post office, courthouse, and library downtown. We buried the wires, built the parking garages, planted a thousand trees, and we brought in restaurants and small shops and developed the plans for and started the Carroll Creek Linear Park and Flight Control Project, among many, many other projects. As your state senator, I've carried forth actions to further strengthen our community by bringing back tens of millions of dollars in funding for transportation projects, community services, and educational improvements. In addition, I've sponsored legislation that will improve health care, promote equality and justice, enhance education, and protect our environment. Throughout my life, I've volunteered on dozens of organizations that have helped build a stronger economy in Frederick community while assisting the most vulnerable vulnerable among us. I have a strong reputation for developing relationships with my colleagues and working across the aisle. I believe that past accomplishments are the best predictors of future success. All right, we'll go to Ron. Or Craig, I'm sorry. (laughs) That's okay. Hi, my name is uh, Craig Jean Grande. I'm a candidate for state senate here in District 3. Uh, I'm currently a small business owner in the Frederick area. Uh, I have a family business with my brother and my late father before he passed. Uh, we've been doing that, again, since 1991. Uh, prior to that, I was a police officer in a municipality in New Jersey for five years. And uh, I think both sets of life experiences that I bring to the table, some public safety issues, but mostly the uh, experience of a small business person that has challenges and uh, things they want to accomplish, work together with people, work through problems, find solutions, and move forward. Uh, Much like Governor Hogan four years ago, uh, I think that the small business person has a place at the table down in Annapolis uh, to put forth ideas to move the state forward, both economically, uh, things that affect everyday Frederick Countyans, and uh, talking about roads, talking about providing services such as schools, bringing money back to the district. Uh, I'm a small government type of a guy, but uh, I believe that Frederick County still has to get their share of the pie, no matter what what size the pie is. So uh, in addition to that, um, I have a good track record of working with people, and I believe I can bring that down to uh, work across the aisle. All right, and now we'll go to questions. Emma? Great. So our first question, and Craig, you'll start. Um, The question is, when Governor Hogan campaigned in 2014, he ran hoping to make Maryland more business-friendly and to create more jobs. Do you think he's been successful in that effort? As senator, what more would you you propose to create jobs and economic development? Well, I think he has been successful, to be honest with you. Uh, As he says, he's reduced all the tolls, the fees, and taxes that the executive can do on his own. But he needs help in the legislature. And uh, a lot of times he gets obstructed uh, on, on things that he would like to accomplish. Government does not create jobs. It sets an environment that allows jobs to be created. And uh, I think reasonable taxes, reasonable regulation, 
and a motivated, highly trained workforce, which Frederick area does have, are things that can be leveraged if you have the right business environment. The governor talks about uh, going from next to last place and the idea of being an amenable place for businesses to want to come to, to uh, start and grow, and going, doing yeoman's duty and going to the opposite side of the list, towards the top. So I think uh, I want to continue that, work with the governor. Uh, I think we need good jobs closer to home. People are commuting down the road to D.C. They're also commuting over to Baltimore. I think we have a good workforce right here, and we need to put them to work by attracting jobs. All right. Senator Young? Is that two minutes or 45 seconds? Two two minutes. Okay. And then he'll have the 45-second rebuttal. All right. Thank you. Uh, Well, the governor didn't make that pledge, and I'm I'm sure he's made some efforts uh, towards it. I think that the Department of Commerce and his secretary there uh, does do a good job. But I don't think he's been nearly as successful as he says. Uh, We are still at the bottom of job creation in our region. Uh, Virginia is near the bottom, and we're we're below them. Uh, They just announced that 1,200 new uh, jobs were created uh, this month. But uh, they were – they also – created 3,100 in the hospitality business. So that means we lost close to 2,000 jobs that were probably better paying than those in the hospitality area. Uh, We've lost the first uh, Fortune 500 company in my lifetime, I believe, uh, from Maryland that that, uh, moved out. Uh, We have not attracted a lot of good high-paying jobs, which we need to continue doing. I certainly support his efforts in trying to bring jobs here, and I think the legislature has tried to support his effort in uh, bringing jobs. I don't think he's been real good to Frederick. Uh, the Downtown Hotel Conference Center, which is our Chamber of Commerce's number one priority, the entire uh, Republican delegation has fought it after initially supporting it. Uh, we're doing that similar to what was done in uh, the Rockville-Bethesda area where uh, the state helped support the infrastructure around the conference hotel center. That would bring uh, a lot of activity to downtown Frederick to support other businesses around it and to probably motivate several other uh, buildings that have been waiting uh, for incentives to move forward. So I think there's a lot that can be done, and I think the governor could be more helpful with it. All right, and Craig, you have 45 seconds. Well, I think the governor has been helpful to Frederick. I think uh, his ideas of making it, again, a more uh, business-conducive environment uh, with taxation and with regulation, trying to stem those, and uh, I believe it's important to do so. Again, government doesn't create jobs. It's the private sector that does that. Uh, and if you f- if private sector finds a state that they would prefer to go to because it's less regulations, less obtrusive, easier to start up, they're going to go there. So I think we need to continue on that, but I believe that the governor needs a legislature to help. All right. Great. And so next question, and Ron, we'll start with you. This campaign season, Governor Hogan has lauded his administration for cutting $1.2 billion in taxes, fees, and tolls. Do you feel these cuts have been good or ba- have it been a good or bad thing? What taxes, fees, or tolls would you like to see added or cut should you be elected in November? Um, I think some of the things he's done have been helpful. Uh, I think others have not. Uh, we do not need to weaken uh, their, our environmental laws. Uh, he came out with this so-called rain tax. Uh, we have never taxed rain. We're trying to keep sediments from the ground and from the roads to getting into our streams and, and rivers, and we want to keep uh, clean water f- for our people. He cut the tolls, but when the next Bay Bridge or the existing ones need repair, We've lost the revenue source that supported those. Uh, as a gentleman said to me, gee, that extra buck fifty I saved is going to make a real big difference to me in my vacation, jokingly. 
Uh, so cutting fees like that have not been beneficial in terms of uh, continuing to do the roads and bridge projects that uh, they support. Uh, I would like to see us cut the corporate tax, but I'd like to see it done in a way where we eliminate a lot of the tax credits and just level the playing field for everybody a little more. Uh, one increase I'd like to see, and it's not an increase in taxes, uh, our major national corporations like Walmart and Target and Nordstrom's and some of the uh, food chains transfer all their profits back to their home state and pay the taxes there. We're losing $50 million a year because we don't have combined reporting on those businesses. And that's not any new money that somebody would be paying. That's money they're already paying that we're giving to other states instead of keeping it here. But uh, I've always been a, a physical conservative. When I was mayor, in 16 years, I cut the tax rate eight times. That's more than every Republican in this century cut them combined. So I do believe in fiscal responsibility, but I also believe in providing the necessary services. And Greg? Well, I appreciate uh, what uh, Senator Young did as a mayor, but as a senator, he went along with the O'Malley tax increases. That would be Governor O'Malley's second term, Senator Young's first term. He went along with every one of them, and there was 46-some-odd tax increases, increase in uh, everything from income tax, corporate income tax, income ta uh, uh, sales tax, many, many tax increases that he voted for. So I don't think that that is exactly fiscal responsibility. Uh, to your question, the tax that I would look at first would be the idea that when the feds uh, redid their tax code last year, the state did not follow suit. And as such, there is a, I believe, a $500 million surplus that we have. And that is out of the pockets of Marylanders. And that is because we could not come to terms with the idea of either allowing folks that itemize on their federal tax returns, because that's conducive to do now, or I should say a positive thing for them to do. They, we did not allow them to go and uh, uh, itemize on our side, uh, uh, the, the, uh, the uh, state tax. So I think that needs to be rectified first. Um, we have a $500 million surplus. Uh, I, I see people wanting to do all types of capital projects with that, but that was taken out of the pocketbooks of Marylanders. I think we need to rectify that first and foremost. All right. And, Senator Young, you have 45 seconds for a rebuttal. Um, yeah, very quickly, if we had time, I'd love to challenge him to name the 46 uh, tax increases because it's a talking point that neither he nor anybody else can name. I actually went through some of the things we did. Uh, we increased taxes about 15 times. We also uh, passed bills that cut or saved the taxpayers 45 times. Uh, you know, the, the talking points, and I've seen that uh, Craig has talked about better roads and more, more education, but cutting taxes. I've not seen anything about what he was going to cut in order to do that if he's cutting taxes. Uh, we have funded uh, the, those projects, and by the way, you can deduct uh, itemized in the state we pay on the taxes. We passed that. All right. All right so, yeah, next question, and, and we'll start with you, Craig. Um, traffic congestion on Route 15 has drawn the ire of many residents for lengthening their daily commutes. Recently, the county learned that a project to widen 15 near Frederick would not be able to be funded until 2024 at the earliest, according to the county executive. Because 15 is a state-funded road, how would you hope to work in the General Assembly to ease congestion on that road? Well, first of all, I would say that the, we have a governor that is amenable and interested in working with the so-called out counties. That would be the less populous counties. Uh, everybody except every county except, uh, say, Baltimore City, Prince George's County, and Montgomery counties. And several years ago, there was a uh, a bill that passed called the so-called Roadkill Bill. Now, the Roadkill Bill was an attempt by the legislature, supported by Senator Young, to take the governor and his uh, State Highway Administration, SHA, and MDOT out of the process and put it in the hands of a, a convoluted graded, grading system 
in the, in the state legislature, put it into politicians' hands. I think that was very bad, and uh, a lot of people did also think that was bad. Senator voted for that, and the two delegates in 3A also voted for that. So I think when you have a governor that wants to work with the folks, first of all, to set the tone and get the, the out counties the money they need, I think that needs to be embraced, and it needs to not to be shunned for political purposes. So we need to appropriate the, the funds to make that happen. Uh, also, there was the senator also supported a proposal to divert funds from sales of vehicles, the, the 6% excise tax you pay, to go towards, uh, well, a third, up to a third of that or $120 million, whichever came first, would go to Metro. I did not support that. I think that road funds, when you sell a car, buy a car, that needs to go to roads. And uh, I have a problem with that also. So we need to get the funding, keep the funding, and bring it home to Frederick County. All right. Senator Young? Well, again, my opponent uh, is real good on the uh, hype, not too good on the facts. Um, the governor called the bill we passed the roadkill bill. It was totally propaganda. That bill required that every project be evaluated and then rated in terms of what would be done. The bill also said that the governor could do anything he wanted. The governor ignored that and tried to scare people by saying we were cutting their roads. He had the right under that bill to fund anything he wanted. He made it a political issue. There was no such thing as a roadkill bill. It was all politics. Uh, you know, one tax I did uh, raise, and the Secretary of Transportation praised us for it at, uh, last year, I voted to raise the gas tax. And as a result of that, the Monocacy Interchange at Route 26 and Monocacy Boulevard and several other Frederick County projects, road projects, got funded that wouldn't have been. We have brought a tremendous amount of road money back to Frederick. And in terms of supporting transit, I did, and so did all 46 other senators, and the governor signed it, 47 to zero. Yet he's tried to target five of us as doing that against roads, but it's a bill that uh, he signed and every senator voted for, and I can assure you my opponent would have to because the governor wanted him to. So, you know, they're very good at propaganda. They aren't real good at looking at what we're actually doing. All right, and Craig, you have 45 seconds. Well, the gas tax that uh, Senator Young alludes to uh, actually was indexed, so now there's no more need to, to vote upon future increases in the gas tax because it's already indexed. I think that's I think that's legislative cowardice. I think you owe it, if you're an elected official, to vote up or down on tax issues as they come along, not to, not to get mathematics involved, some type of formula moving forward. Uh, he also talks about how the governor was incorrect about the roadkill bill. There's other I issues um, as examples. The uh, different subject, but for education, uh, they took the governor out of the Board of Public Works in, in deciding which schools uh, get built and how. All right. All right, next question, and um, this goes to Senator Young. Um, does Maryland and Frederick County in particular have adequate public transit and paratransit infrastructure? If not, what could be improved, and how do you hope to address it at the state level? Or should the state's focus be on improving roads instead of offering public transit? Uh, we need to do both. And we have urged for a long time, and I'm a big supporter of having separate streams of money to fund each so that they aren't uh, competing. All the way back in the 80s, I got Montgomery, Frederick County, and Frederick City together and planned saving the right-of-ways to bring the metro system to Frederick. Uh, the state has not considered that and not even put it in their long-term budget. We are going to need that here, and we need uh, the local transit. But we also need uh, improvements on Route 15. We also need to see 270 wide at, uh, widened coming to Frederick. Um, the governor has promised everybody all these projects. The tax that uh, my opponent doesn't like is letting him fund some of them. Otherwise, he wouldn't be able to do it. But most of the things he's talked about, he's put off on years after he'd be out of office. So he's creating the expectation for administration past him and not really doing it while he's in office. 
All right, and Craig? Well, I think we could start right now with separate streams of funding, to quote Senator Young. I don't consider uh, the sales transfer tax of a vehicle to have a third of that go away to Metro. I don't see that as being a separate stream of funding whatsoever. Having said that, we, we would want to support some public transit, and that's fine. But the fact of the matter is, is that in Frederick, uh, motor vehicles right now are the way people get around. They're the way people commute to work. They're the way they get from place to place. There is a Frederick County Transit system that does a good job, and, and that's to be commended for sure. Uh, but we can't have pie-in-the-sky type of uh, what-if scenarios about technolo te technology in the future or driverless cars or things of that nature. We're here and now. We have to fix the roads. We have to appropriate money towards that, and that's very important. People in Frederick get from place A to place B via their vehicles. So, uh, again, uh, unlike my, my competitor, I would work with the governor and try to make that happen. All right. And Senator Young, you have 45 seconds. Uh, sure. I'm glad my opponent likes the local transit system. I started that year when I was mayor. Um, as I said, I also started reserving right-of-ways to come up here, and I uh, required private developers to build all the roads as Frederick City grew and expand it. Uh, I'm a big supporter for doing what we need to do, and I'm with the governor. If he really wants to fund those projects, you won't hear me uh, fight those. But the ones that we have gotten here in the past, I and a couple other legislators, not our, our whole uh, group, uh, raised the money and fought to get those road projects here. Uh, the Republicans have not supported them. All right. All right, and moving to education, Craig, you'll respond first. Educators have criticized Governor Larry Hogan for what they view as underfunding public education and giving breaks to charter and private schools. Has the state's funding of education been adequate? If not, what would you propose to, to um, increase funding to public or private education? Well, actually, I think they're mistaken because the governor has provided funding at a record level for public schools in Maryland. That is a fact. And uh, I think when people dispute that or when they say that that's not so, that's not, that's not right. So uh, the governor has also said, uh, you're probably referring to the BOAST program, where the proposal was that companies could donate goods and services to public and private schools and get a tax deduction. And that, was, uh, that never gets off the ground. That's a, that's a project of the governor's. He would like to see that, and, and so would I. Charter schools are public schools that, uh, that, that work uh, under their own charter, and so they are treated as, as, as uh, public schools. They need to be uh, valued and, and move forward on. Um, I th also believe in vouchers for failing school districts. I believe that... Um, when you have administrators, say, Baltimore City making six figures in a failing school district, I think we can work on changing that. Uh, the governor has tried to tie some responsibility, some goals with extra monies, and that always gets re rejected. Not the money part, but the goals, the more accountability. And so I have a problem with that. These people live in, these families in Baltimore City live with failing school districts every day. And I think if we can work towards a pilot program with vouchers for that for failing school districts, I would support that. All right, Senator Young. Uh, yes. By the way, we we do have a boost program, but we have not. Uh, we and we and we've raised it. We haven't raised it a second time. Uh, the governor has not been a big supporter of uh, public education. He has increased to record levels. You take how much we had the year he came in and all he had to do was add one dollar and that was a record level. Per student he has cut the funding to public schools. Um, there's a brochure out saying I cut education that he wanted. No, the governor cut uh, I believe it was sixty to million dollars out of the public budget. We in the legislature put it back in over his objection. He has not been a big supporter of public education in that sense. The state board, I'm a former teacher and I have the endorsement of all the, all the teachers groups. Uh, the state board, he's putting private people and people without children on the board. He objected to having teachers on there to give them a voice, you know, in terms of uh, what they do. And he has not been putting uh, parents of public school people on it. He has, is pushing very strongly towards private schools. 
we do need to work with Baltimore, and we've tried to, and we've passed a lot of unique programs. I got one through here in uh, Frederick uh, called the Lynch Program at Frederick High School. Uh, we have several pilot programs like that in Baltimore. We're working very hard. We have the Kerwin Commission, which is looking. We've dropped from first in the country in education to sixth during Governor Hogan. We're, the Kerwin Commission is looking to get us back to first in, Mer in America and hopefully first in the world. Uh, we have a ballot uh, issue on the uh, ballot this year to pass a constitutional money uh, budget <laughs> amendment, excuse me, to put all the casino money back into public education. So I'm supporting the recommendations of the Kerwin Commission, and that will do a long way to bring us back. All right, next question, um, Ron, you'll start. Oh, sorry, he gets oh, the 45 seconds. Oh, whoops, sorry. <laughs> so regarding the Kerwin Co Commission, uh, the chairman, Britt Kerwin, has said he has serious uh, concerns about how the safeguards will be put in place with accountability about that commission, who is going to administer it, and how you know, people get their hands in the cookie jar, so to speak, and he's very concerned about that, and so am I. Uh, I think you, s you just heard about from the senator about how he uh, – at one point uh, earlier, talks how he wants to work with the governor, but I think you just saw talking points of a career politician attempting to stay in power uh, at whatever cost. He said that the governor has the, the basically the worst record of uh, in his 50 years in, in the senator's 50 years of working with state government. Very disorganized record. I didn't and, say uh, that. I, I believe that most people like the governor and what he's attempting to do. Before we go to the next question, let's make sure that we keep the answers and the rebuttals focused on the actual issue in question. Okay, so next question, this is from Ron, um, and this is about now school safety. Has Maryland done enough to keep its schools safe from potential attack? If not, what steps would you advocate for uh, the state to take to keep schools safe should you be elected in November? Well, basically, we have had safe schools in uh, Maryland. Um, we had a, a bill in this year, and Senator Huff put an amendment in to say that every uh, school had to have a resource police officer or one available within five minutes. Uh, that was about to go down, and I stood up on the floor and spoke in favor of it and brought enough Democrats over to pass the bill. It's an example of uh, bipartisan support. Uh, we have really worked on gun safety in Maryland. Uh, we don't want to see guns in schools. We don't like the idea of arming teachers, and teachers don't want to be armed. I think we've taken uh, a lot of steps towards making schools safer, and we'll continue to do so uh, where and when we can as proposals come forth. But limiting the accessibility of uh, guns and having uh, resource police officers available certainly a big step towards that. All right. And Craig? Well, uh, I also support Senator Huff's amendment as he uh, laid it out and uh, did provide for a secure re uh, a school resource officer to be in, in the building or quickly available. I think that's very important, and uh, the General Assembly will have to uh, appropriate that money. I think it's very, very important to do so, uh, and, and we should do that now. Um, I also think that uh, Senator Young alluded to um, the idea of violence in the schools, um, you know, we have gun laws on the books right now. They need to be enforced. Uh, you know, a lot of these uh, shootings that occur uh, happen with uh, people that have mental issues, and uh, we need to look, for, look towards making that something that uh, can be, it's difficult to fix, quite frankly, but something that could be worked on. Um, so I definitely uh, applaud Senator Huff for that, uh, that measure. Uh, I think it's very important that we uh, also try to find different ways to, to keep our schools safe uh, and uh, look forward to doing that. All right. And okay. Senator Young, you Just a short re rebuttal. Uh, he said we need to fund that. We already did fund or appropriate the money to support that. Uh, mental health is important, and we're, we are looking at a shift in the schools from various resource people to more mental health but uh, my opponent's party quite often brings up m mental health being the issue but they never support funding it uh, we need to put more money into mental health not just for schools but 
Uh, I won't go into all the other things, but uh, we need more money there. All right. Okay, next question, and Craig, you'll start. Frederick County participates in the program that allows sheriff deputies to inquire about the immigration status of anyone booked at the county's adult detention center and and begin deportation proceedings. Has the state done enough to address undocumented immigration, or are there additional steps Maryland still needs to take? Well, thank you for the question. Actually, it's it's not exactly correct. They don't allow sheriff's deputies. They allow corrections officers, which is a different bureau of the sheriff's department. So sheriff's deputies on the street do not have that power. They do not inquire. Uh, it's all done in the jail. After an arrest that has been made on the street and the person is brought in to be booked, uh, there is inquiries made about their status. So a person has been already in custody, and they are now going through the process. And so what 287G provides for is to allow the deputy, not the deputies, but the corrections officers to ask a series of questions and see if they're in the country legally. I support this. Um, I think that immigration is generally a federal issue. However, when somebody is incarcerated in a county facility or a state facility for that matter, I think it's incumbent on the uh, officers in the jail to do everything they can to inquire about the status of the person. And so I support 287G. I do not support the idea of a sanctuary state where such a type of a law would be circumvented by uh, state privilege or state uh, uh, taking over uh, and saying, no, you cannot do that in any d- given county. So uh, I believe my, my competitor, my opponent, Senator Ron Young, has supported many times the idea of, at least twice anyway, uh, sanctuary state. Uh, you can call it the Trust Act. You can call it, uh, there was another moniker that was given to it, uh, the SAFE Act, I believe. But the fact of the matter is, is somebody commits a uh, serious violation, a crime, or a uh, misdemeanor, and they get processed, then it's incumbent on us to make sure who we have in our system, and uh, if they're not here legally, to start proceedings. Yeah. Uh, Sanctuary state is another one of those things that the governor throws out that's totally inaccurate. Uh, I nor no one has supported a sanctuary state. What we did support was the Trust Act that said that a police officer could not stop somebody for no reason just to ask them if they were here legally or illegally. Once they're in uh, jail and have been, been arrested for a crime and if it's a serious crime, by the way, they put this piece of garbage out that said, I want to invite the gangs in. It's totally ridiculous. Uh, I don't know anyone that wants to do that. Uh, But if someone is arrested for a serious crime, they can go through the process and be deported. And I don't know anybody that objects to that. But we do object to hassling people, stopping them. I believe one was actually stopped outside of uh, one of my opponent's facilities a couple of years ago. No, that's she not was, true at all. She was nervous and started to run. That's not true at all. Let's uh, we'll give the senator his time and okay. he can rebut. I think the sheriff even lost a lawsuit over that. But uh, we want safe communities, and I certainly, over all my years, have fought for safe communities. We don't want hassling of, of people for, for no real reason. All right, and Craig, here's your chance to rebut. Well, the senator, the senator just kind of reared his head there and showed an ugly side of his uh, campaign. Uh, it was not in my restaurant. It actually was at a gym, in front of a gym over by uh, not too far from uh, Sam's Club. Uh, so that's what happened there. Uh, the fact that uh, the, the senator supports law enforcement at the jail checking out folks, their, their status after they've been accused of a crime, is uh, is very, very good news to me. Uh, the fact of the matter is there's a federal law already where folks cannot be checked out by uh, local or state law or local county or state law enforcement about their status. That is a federal uh, jurisdiction. All right, we'll move to the next question. All right, so um, another p- public safety question, and Ron, you'll start. Um, Despite increased awareness, death from opioid use and addiction continue to rise. If elected, what would you propose for the state to enact in order to address the opioid crisis? Well, that's another uh, one of the ugly things that's reared their heads. Uh, Right now, our police are spending 
and it's been going on for 40 years. It's not not new. Uh, their answer to drug addiction uh, addiction is to arrest. This needs to be treated as a health problem. Uh, we've looked at things, and one I'm being uh, criticized for is something that's been done in, I think, 66 cities across the country, uh, the world, and is working, and that's a safe house where a person can go in, uh, get clean needles, be treated, and they work towards getting them off drugs if they're willing. It reduces opioid deaths drastically. Also, about 25% of the people that come into those places end up going into a program and, and getting off of drugs. Uh, we need detox centers. Uh, we need Right now, if somebody's picked up, they take them to the hospital, uh, they clean them up and send them out on the street, and some of them come back the same night. We need a detox center where they can go and, and be gotten off and where they can stay there until there's a more permanent place uh, ready for them. But it, it, it ties in with uh, mental health, and, and we need to work on mental health and ways to get people off. War on drugs has failed. It's failed drastically. We've put way too many people in, in jail for it. We need pl places where they can go and where we can work to get those off that want. And at least it reduces deaths with the others, even if, if they're not willing to get off yet. All right, Craig. Well, I do agree with the center in one of his points when he says a detox center. Uh, I'm not sure if he's aware of it, but the sheriff, together with the county executive, have worked towards a plan to take unused beds from the, uh, an adjacent building that is part of the jail campus, but not actually part of the detention center itself, uh, to take unused building, unused beds, and put that towards a detox center. The fact of the matter is, is that with last year's sweeping changes to um, uh, sentencing guidelines, uh, there's not as many nonviolent offenders going to jail. And so the sheriff has said that that has a, a surplus of, of beds. So he and uh, the county executive are working towards do, making a deal to allow folks to go ahead and, uh, you know, be put there or to commit themselves there. Because uh, right now when they go to the hospital, if, unless they're suicidal, they're basically getting kicked out. So he is correct. We did need a, uh, a detox center, and hopefully we can get that real quickly. Um, when it comes to other things, I would disagree with the senator. One of them is de minimis possession, so a small amount of different drugs. The senator uh, put in a bill and supported to uh, decriminalize that, that they couldn't even be charged. Now, it may be that a judge says that we're, you know, or, or when he sentences somebody, he or she sentences somebody uh, after, or makes a plea bargain, that that's one thing. But to say that an officer could not charge for a certain amount uh, I, f I find that troubling. Um, and I find it shocking to say that he supports uh, w what is called shooting dens, to have uh, needles available where people could go. Uh, there's really no provision how far away from a school it would have to be or a playground. Bad legislation. I would not support that. Um, thank you. Well, that's another example of where his party has their head in, in the ground. They're, v they're very successful, and it's a way to start getting people off of drugs. Uh, the detox center, we need one. I commend them for looking at it. Unfortunately, I think it was political. A detox center should not be at a jail. It ought to be near a hospital. A lot of people are not going to walk into a detox center when it's part of the jail, and they may be arrested and charged with other things. So it's not going to be effective there. It needs to be at an another location. As far as uh, drugs and the small amounts, we, were we did that for marijuana. Marijuana, no one's ever died of marijuana. And, and by the way, states that have uh, passed marijuana laws also have a 25% reduction in opioid deaths. All right, next question. All right, so this next question is actually about recreational marijuana, and Craig, uh, you'll respond first. Gubernatorial candidate Ben Jealous has campaigned on a plan to increase teacher salaries by 29% by taxing recreational marijuana, which he wants to legalize. Do you see this as a viable plan to raise teacher pay, and would you support legalizing recreational marijuana? 
Uh, no, I would not uh, support legalizing recreational marijuana. The, the senator brought it up, so I hope it is, applies to it. He said no one has ever died of marijuana. The fact of the matter is that marijuana, and my, I have a police background, so I could tell you this, marijuana is a depressant, just like alcohol is a depressant. It affects your response time. When you're driving a motor vehicle 50 miles an hour down the road, just like if you had too much to drink, if you have too much to smoke, your reaction time has changed. That can make all the difference in the world. The fact of the matter is, is there's no proper way right now to separate the acute effects of marijuana from the chronic effects. And what I mean by that is marijuana stays in your system, unlike alcohol, for some time. You can get it tested. You can, you can score positive uh, in your hair and such. The fact of the matter is, is we need a breathalyzer type of equipment that would uh, be able to find out the blood alcohol content of the THC in your system. THC is the active psychotropic ingredient in marijuana. Uh, we don't have that, uh, so I would not support recreational marijuana. If we have it, we do get a breathalyzer, I probably still would not support recreational marijuana. The fact of the matter is, it is a gateway drug from, uh, from itself to a, a more serious drug. And I will say before, because we are talking about drugs, that's exactly incorrect. When, when the senator said that uh, the de minimis uh, small amount of uh, possession was only for marijuana, that's not true. It was for hard drugs. You could have a little bit of this drug, a little bit of that drug, a little bit of another drug. You could have a party pack. And as long as each one was under a certain amount, you could not be charged. All right. We'll go to Senator Young. Well, my opponent uh, tied marijuana to alcohol, so I guess he's going to propose uh, making alcohol illegal if marijuana is illegal. Because, but that didn't work in prohibition, and it isn't working uh, with marijuana. And a lot of people do die of alcohol. No one's died of of uh, marijuana. Now we've set up medical marijuana in Maryland and I like the process they follow it in a couple other states and want to follow that. Get uh, all the pieces of it set up, the growers, the distillers and whatever, and all the, the way it's handled worked out. At that point I think going into recreational marijuana is feasible to do. I think we're getting close. I'm not sure that we're quite uh, ready yet. Again, I talked to the officials out in Seattle. They saw a drop in crime. They saw a, a drop in drug arrests and a great increase in revenue as a result of uh, having rec uh, uh, recreational marijuana. And the last thing, this gateway drug thing, that's again, people have got their head in the ground. There is no evidence that marijuana is a gateway drug. It just isn't the case. And uh, this all goes back I wish I'd brought this statement with me. But Nixon was upset with the minorities and the hippies rioting back in the, uh, his years as uh, president, and that's when they made marijuana a, a bad thing. And uh, even his people admitted it was all a way to get back at the people opposing them. They didn't do it on the basis of science. All right, and Craig, you'll have 45 seconds. Well, I would just say that uh, I disagree with, uh, with his statement about being a, uh, uh, a, a gateway drug. I do believe it is. And uh, again, unless there's a way to measure how much THC is in somebody's body at any given time, uh, I would not support it. Uh, right now, there's drug recognition experts, DREs, this police officer with specialized training, highly specialized. Not everybody is one. Um, and uh, even then, it's, it's iffy getting a conviction. So I would not, uh, conviction for uh, driving while intoxicated under, uh, under uh, drugs. So I would not support that. All right. Next question. All right. I've got one final question, and then we'll move to closing statements, and Ron will respond first. This question's about agriculture. Um, on Friday, the Frederick County Farm Bureau named its top three legislative priorities for 2019, including maintaining funding for cover crops, urging the creation and implementation of a Weeds of Concern program, and dredging the uh, Conowingo Dam? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, how could you address any of these priorities? Uh, I think they're all legitimate priorities. Uh, we are trying to limit the kinds of uh, uh, products that are used on agricultural land so that uh, we don't get things into our streams and rivers that, that cause a problem with the bay. But the Conowingo Dam 
is a problem and needs to be addressed. It's not as big a problem as spelled out. It isn't the whole problem, is guess what I'm saying, but it, it is one. Uh, I've certainly supported the agricultural community more than it supported me. I actually put the bill in that allowed them to pass uh, a farm to their children uh, without being taxed. Uh, didn't pass the year I put it in. The governor put it in the following year, and it did pass. But uh, I don't have too much more to say about it. I, I support their efforts on those three things. All right. And Craig? Well, I appreciate the question. Uh, I've been endorsed by Frederick, uh, well, by the Maryland Farm Bureau, I should say, and I have ha had many occasions to have meetings with the Frederick County Farm Bureau. Uh, one in particular were these weeds of concern. And, uh, you know, some homeowners might think, well, what's the big deal? But the fact of the matter is when a farmer goes out and plants a field of whatever crop it is they're planting and they have these invasive species, uh, it becomes very, very important. They could wipe, these invasive species can wipe out an entire uh, area of crop. And so it's extremely costly. It's extremely top of mind of their uh, agenda. And uh, farmers, I got to tell you, uh, I thought, you know, a restaurant owner had a tough job, but farmers have it very, very tough. All the things that a small business person has, and then just add the weather on top of it, and that's where a farmer's at these days. Uh, as far as the Conowingo Dam, I support Governor Hogan uh, when he asked for a decision from the federal government about um, adjacent states having problems with pollution as it relates mostly to the Conowingo Dam. A lot of pollution comes down the Susquehanna River and it winds up in the bay and it comes through the Conowingo Dam. So Governor Hogan asked for a decision uh, to put these neighboring states on the, uh, the block, so to speak, and have some accountability. And uh, he, he uh, also he, he continues to ask where, what's up with that, so to speak. Where are we at with that process? And the federal government's not getting back to him too quick. So uh, I support the idea of that. Uh, if the dam needs to be dredged, I believe uh, Pennsylvania and New York uh, should, should step up. They should be made to step up, actually. Um, other things for Farm Bureau, while we're on the subject, is such things as right to repair. You know, they buy uh, combines, might be hundreds of thousands of dollars, and the fact is they want to be able to get in there uh, with software so they can have their own workers and not just the manufacturers fix uh, their, their farm equipment. All right, and with that, those were all of our questions, so we're going to move to the closing statement. Oh, sorry, you have a 45-second rebuttal, Senator. Yeah. Um, I don't have any problem with what uh, my opponent said. We need to work with them. The legislature, as the governor has, has been pressing for years for the other states to participate, and they should. Uh, we've had very strict guidelines, which we have met. The other states have trailed doing that. They need the federal government to come down on them uh, to do it. Uh, on the weed issue, yeah, we've got to look at that with them. There are other ways to do it, but some of the invasive uh, ones are very difficult, and we've really wrestled with a way to, al to allow something to be done with that. It, they have a very tough job, and, and it needs to be dealt with. All right. And sorry about that, but now we are at the point where we can reach closing statements, and we are going to, again, you guys will have 90 seconds, and we're going to start with Craig. Well, I want to thank the Frederick News Post and Alan and Emily, or Emma? Emma, uh, for having us out here. I want to thank uh, Senator Young for coming out and having a debate. Really appreciate that. Um, this fall, you have a clear choice between two candidates for state senate. One, uh, it's the same old hardline party politics, special interests, um, arguing with uh, a very popular governor who does try to reach across party lines. And uh, the other choice would be a, a problem solver with some real-world experience. You know, being a small business owner and a family man, I understand what it's like to have, uh, let's just say, top-line incomes, so to speak, and expenses. And at the end of the day, you have hopefully a little bit of money left over. It's the same when it, as it relates to a family as it relates to a small business. I've made some hard decisions. I've uh, made payrolls. I've been able to budget properly uh, in both my personal life and in my, uh, my business uh, that I have. And I certainly appreciate any, any uh, consideration of your vote November 6th. Um, uh, you can reach me at uh, Giangrande for Senate.com or Craig Giangrande 
from Maryland State Senate on Facebook. And again, thank you so much. All right. And Senator Young. Okay. Again, I thank you for this opportunity, and I thank those that are listening to this podcast. I have, as, as I've said, a lifetime of community service as well as decades in the private sector. Uh, during my years as mayor, we won national recognition for revitalizing Frederick as deputy secretary for the state. I became a national leader and sought-after speaker on smart growth. As a senator, I brought tens of millions of dollars back to Frederick, as well as having introduced and helped pass major legislation uh, benefiting Marylanders. As a volunteer, both in and out of office, I've served on dozens of volunteer organizations, both in Frederick and in the state. Uh, If you check my Facebook or webpage, they're all about policies, positive actions, and legislative proposals. If you check my opponent's uh, Facebook, you'll see a lack of policies, but attacks and slanders propaganda about me. Uh, He says I do the same old, almost everything I see that my opponent says is I'll do what Hogan wants. I go down and think as an independent. I've bucked my party many times. I work to do what I think is uh, 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 best for my constituents. And as I have in all my career, I've tried to be visionary in my approaches to addressing problems. I'm not running against my opponent. I'm running for constituents, my community, and my state. And I appreciate the support and trust that I've received over the years. And I'm there because they know I always look forward. So I've always been there for them. And once again, I hope I have their support and vote. All right. Thank you. And with that, we've reached the end of the debate. I want to thank you both for coming on. Um, For listeners, uh, early voting begins Thursday, October 25th. So that's coming up right right around the corner, Election Day. Also around the corner uh, is November 6th. I want to wish you guys both the best of luck on Election Day. And again, thank you so much for coming on and joining us in the booth. Well, thank you, Alan. Thank you.